This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay, and I'm Lynn Trafford presenting Hawke's Bay Scientists on Air on behalf of the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society, T.R. Parangi. This program is your opportunity to meet practicing and recently retired scientists from around the Bay. With me in the studio today is pharmacist Andrew Spence, a Hawke's Bay-born and bred local businessman. Andrew Spence was good at science at secondary school with a particular fondness for physics and chemistry and, as he says, not too unexpected for the son of a mathematics teacher. Having worked in an after-school job at Piramai Pharmacy, Andrew Spence, still a reasonably young lad, had first-hand experience at what being a pharmacist was all about. Some decades later, Andrew Spence is well known in our local community as a pharmacist and today we will hear his story. We welcome Andrew Spence to Hawke's Bay Scientists on Air. Hello Andrew. Hello Lynn. Now as I said, born and bred in Napier, let's get this right, born at Bethany you told me. Yes, Bethany home. Yes, born at Bethany. Where did you go to primary school? Primary school was Mariwa School down in Latham Street. And Wycliffe for intermediate school? Wycliffe Intermediate, that's correct. And where did you go to high school? High school, uh, the family moved to Taradale, so I I moved from Wycliffe over to Taradale High School. Okay, now I'm looking for your turn-on moment. You've already said Dad was a math teacher. Yes. But was there a time when you actually thought, actually, science, mm, maybe I can get a career out of science? Or didn't it work like that? How did it happen? Well, First off, I wanted to be an accountant. Which I think is not a good thing for a scientist. (laughs) Not first, but uh, that's what I had in my mind. And um, I did school certificate, and uh, accounting was one of the subjects, and I didn't perform as well as I'd hoped to. So I got maybe a little bit disillusioned about it. And um, for a little while, I just looked around and and considered, went to guidance counsellors and that. Um, And uh, I took a, a, a look... Um, funnily enough, at the wages book and for my pharmacy and saw the pharmacists got paid reasonably well and um, also looked at what the work was being done and how the um, how the pharmacists interacted with the public and um, thought, OK, well, this this is something that the, the guidance counsellor was light, leaning as an option. Um, it looked all right. It looked like that um, it would be a good profession and um, made the decision that was towards the end of sixth form that uh, that was the direction I was going to head in. So we're about age 17, round about this time. Yeah, when 16, you 17. You had the decide that this is what you're going yeah. to do. All right, so you told me off air that you picked up biology in the seventh form. You had to do that, did you, to get into pharmacy school? That's right, yes. We, we needed the three sciences okay. and two maths were the, were the important All right. prerequisites. So off we go. What yes. year are we going to Otago to study? 
We started, uh, I started in Otago in 1985. 85. Yes. And for this degree, you have to do an intermediate year. Now, there's a That's lot right. of degrees you have to do an intermediate That's year. Correct. Sorts yes. everyone out, doesn't it? It really, really does, yes, absolutely. How did you like that? Was it a good year for you? I think it was a very good year. There was a lot of crossover from the seventh form, so I found the work um, not too demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting living away from home for the first time in a hostel and uh, getting used to managing yourself rather and than... About as far away from home as you can possibly get to it go was. to Otago. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got it. And um, so we got through the intermediate year well um, and um, managed to get into the pharmacy school, into the professional program. Okay, to start your Bachelor of Pharmacy. That's right. Tell me about this study. It's always interesting because we're talking 86 to 88 here Mm -hmm. and always with a degree course, life changes a little bit. The degree course today is probably somewhat different from your degree. Mm -hmm. But what was your degree like and how did that impact upon you? Well, the uh, the degree, the first professional year was was fundamental. It, it was the uh, biochemistry. It was the physiology. It was the, pretty much a, a year that um, many of the medical students did, um, with a little bit of professional pharmacy put in. Um, the the following year was very much starting to be tailored towards the the pharmacy with uh, pharmacology, um, with uh, getting into the labs and doing the compounding that um, that was still very much in a in a, um, a four back then. Um, and then the final year was really polishing us off and preparing us to be unleashed on the unsuspecting public. <laughs> During the summer holidays for, yes. you, for your degree, home you come? Yes, and that's And you right. had some work in a local pharmacy at that stage as well? Yes, I was very fortunate to be able to pick up a job in, in a local pharmacy at Tamatea under the, under the then proprietor Pat Duffy who had a, a vacancy for a, a dispensary technician. Um, and um, that was immensely useful. It's good, um, isn't it? You, you can put what you're learning in theory into practice, absolutely, pretty well straight away. That's boom, right. straight into it. And and by being involved in in the day to day particularly the dispensary, um, allowed us the access to the medications that we're doing, the processes, how things went. And um, it was really good background for the professional years ahead and it yeah. gave me an early introduction to some of the things that were being given to us in lectures that, oh, I'd be able to say, oh, that's right, that's what it looks like. And um, so... With that experience, my grades improved yeah. remarkably. That's good to hear, isn't it? It's nothing like getting stuck in That's when right. all you're yes. doing is a lot of theory and mm-hmm. all of a sudden life becomes real. Mm-hmm. And with your pharmacy degree, you yes. have to do that year, the mm-hmm. internship year at That's the right. end of your degree. Yes. And I guess that is also to make certain that what you have learned and mm-hmm. what you're about to put into practice is going to sit comfortably with mm-hmm. you yep. because if you turn out to be a pharmacist that's very good at theory but not good at all the rest of it, that's it's not right. going to work is it really? Yeah, absolutely right Not to yes. be in a shop anyway, it might be that you go, have to go to a laboratory <laughs> or something quite different but yes. not <laughs> to be a retail pharmacist That's right. So your intern year, how did yes. it go? Uh, well it was at <coughs> Tamatia Pharmacy yep. um, Mr Duffy was very happy to have me on for that internship really? 
few years, lucky. So, which is good fortune, must have yep. made a good impression. Um, yep. And that went well. It was it was very much when I came back to do it. We had to do some uh, extramural activities for um, to and a couple of projects for that internship year. But really, it was it was more of the same. I was very familiar with the process and what was going on, and and also the environment, the, the customers as well. So the internship year was. Um, doing the time but uh, enjoyable um, and particularly being involved in, uh, in a decent length of employment. You're still learning, are You're still you? learning, always learning. Yep. You're still mm-hmm. really just the apprentice boy. That's right, exactly. Yes, yes. I wasn't able to sign off prescriptions. I still had to work under the supervision of um, a pharmacist. And what happens at the end of that year? Is that when you can have your degree signed off, so to speak? The degree was as signed off or, or awarded at the end of the, the university, okay. at the end of the study. So I got my Bachelor of Pharmacy at the end of 1988. The end of the internship year means that you can become a registered pharmacist under then the Pharmaceutical Society. And that's society. the ambition, isn't it? That is. That, that's gives you your scope of practice. It yep. gives you your permission right. to go out and call yourself a pharmacist. You're on your way. That's right. All yes. right. Mm-hmm. So we start 1990. It's a nice clean start it of the is. decade, it isn't easy. it? Yes. What happens then to a young Andrew? Okay. So um, I had uh, completed my internship here. I was a registered pharmacist. I still remember the very first prescription I was allowed to sign off as a qualified pharmacist. Um, and at that particular point in time, I was looking for for some more opportunities and for f- some more experience, particularly along the, the business side of things. Like I was getting on well and professional um, and learning, always learning, and um, with new medications coming on and... and uh, and those types of things, but um, I wanted to get some business experience because I think at that point, I was, in the back of my mind, it was I was always going to own my own pharmacy, so I wanted to know what that part, part of it was about. Yeah. So uh, I, a job was advertised at the Urgent Pharmacy uh, in Napier, which was at that point in time situated on Kennedy Road. I think it was number 30 Kennedy Road, just opposite the playing fields of Napier Intermediate. Um Everyone in Napier knew where the urgent pharmacy was. I don't think there are many people that have not And they still do, but it's not there. (laughs) It's not there anymore. No, No. it's moved on. Uh, Mm. And so I took up the the job of manager of the urgent pharmacy. So we're looking here. You've already said you wanted to attain management skills, but they're quite broad-reaching aren't they? Everything right. that we put under the heading of management skills. Yes. There's not just the, the book side of it, mm-hmm. the accounting and, right. and everything that goes with that, bills, yes. wages, IRD, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, There's also yeah. the stock control and the management mm-hmm. of stock rotation. That's right, yes. yep. And we... then, of course, you've got staff. Yeah, yeah. So all that is mm-hmm. what you were actually trying to do. Absolutely. To, to come to grips with, if you like, yes. having passed from a student into wanting to be a manager. That's correct, yeah. All right. Yes. Again, a good foundation block for you to be at Urgent Pharmacy. It was. It was a small staff, so I didn't have yeah. a lot of people to manage. Uh, the cash book and the accounting was taught to me by the accountant, and I did that, paying the wages. 
generally organising things and um, I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, you were there, you were responsible to a um, the, the shareholders who were, who were all the local pharmacists that didn't want to be open on the Saturdays and Sundays um, and so I picked up on that and um, it, it was good to get some experience. All right, so we have four years there yes. and then you go to UFS Pharmacy That's correct. to be yes. the manager of that right. particular pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Quite yeah. different. Quite I different. I mean, the same but different. Yes, really. that, that's right. <laughs> the same right. but different. What is the difference mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. an urgent pharmacy, mm-hmm. where in my head the emphasis is mm-hmm. on medical that's correct. stock, that's right, to going to something like UFS pharmacy, yep. where the emphasis is not only on that, but you've got huge responsibility for mm-hmm. retailing that's other right. kinds of products. Yes, yes. So this was a, a, a regular, what you would call a Main Street pharmacy. Yes, there was many retail products, um, not just medicines, uh, that was, was the main focus of the urgent pharmacy. Um, much larger staff, um, bigger payroll, extra responsibilities with reporting to a board. Um, and that was a, another logical step um, in gaining more experience and, um, and, and the more and, and also in a more competitive environment as well. And you're right in the heart of town here. Pretty much, yeah, aren't you? that's you're right. On yes. Emerson Street. Yep, that's it. So you've got to get foot traffic into your store to buy mm-hmm. the things other than drugs and medical stuff. That's right. And you've yes. also mm-hmm. yep. got to keep up that right image. Mm-hmm. As the local pharmacist, that's right. Yes, yeah. and so good learning ground there. Oh, superb learning ground. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And we had uh, many experienced people on the board and learned a lot about retailing from them. Um, and that was fantastic. And and continuing that learning um, learning curve. Can do you look back at this time ever mm-hmm. and look at? The urgent pharmacy, because I presume you're a shareholder in urgent pharmacy or whatever one calls it these days. Do you have still some relationship with urgent pharmacy as a pharmacist? No, no? Um, not these days. The, okay. the, the cooperative nature of the urgent pharmacy back then uh, was to give the other pharmacists a break. Yes, so it doesn't didn't, work like that now. It doesn't work no. like that now, oh, unfortunately. Okay. No. All right, all no. right. So we're not any association with them at all. There comes a time when you can fulfil your ambition Absolutely. to own your own pharmacy. That's right. So yes. in effect here, it's a decade later. You've had a decade of experience mm-hmm. yep. in and around town. Yes. People are getting to know who you are. Yes. You've sorted out what you want to do and where you want to do it. Yep. 2000, yes. what are we going to do? Well, um, for, uh, for a little while I... I at the UFS, I felt that I had mastered, I had learned as much as I possibly could and uh, had a very, very clear picture of the type of pharmacy that I was looking for and um, would be interested in purchasing. And um, the only Carver one came up, uh, the late Sefton Mannering had it up for sale. He wanted to retire at the age of 70-something and he'd put in a tenure of... um, close to four, I think 39 years at that particular location of establishing it and he says I'm for sale and I said great um, I'd be interested in buying it and so did. 
You said you had a clear picture of yes. what your pharmacy was going to look like. Yes. What was in your head at that time, and how did you make it work for you? The the, the clear picture was that uh, there was some some evidence coming on um, that the big retail pharmacies were going to, in the long term, struggle. The advent of the internet and internet retailing, um, the big box retailers putting in product ranges that competed directly at much lower prices. So the only car was shop being a smaller shop. Um, I saw was probably going to be the model of what is going to be something in 10, 15 years' time. And um, it was a good direction to head into because that's uh, definitely what has happened um, as far as uh, pharmacy and the retailing side of pharmacy is concerned. When you buy a business, and it doesn't matter whether it's a pharmacy or anything else, you want to put your own mark on on it, don't you? What was the mark of Andrew Spence? That's a really interesting question and one that you would probably be useful asking the customers. (laughs) (laughs) However, when you buy your own very first business and you're looking at it and it's been owned by Mr Mannering for a long time, there's obviously things Mm -hmm. that you're going to want to do your way. Absolutely, that's right. What were some of those things that you wanted to do to change the business Mm -hmm. without losing the customers and adding to the customers? Well, the, the easy one is to change the name above the door um, and um, also to do some good advertising. We had a, had a lotto outlet, which is, um, which is fascinating, uh, and that was a lot of learning as to how to, how to manage that and how to get that work. And um, I think now, with uh, many years later, the, um, the, the name Andrew Spence, and we made a, a distinct decision to focus on that we learned a lot from Peter Dunkley and and True. Hastings. Yes, good and model. Good a, model. A good model to follow, and we've followed the Dunkley principle on a number of occasions, and it's worked for us over here in Napier. And um, so we decided that, uh, or I decided that the, we were going to become famous. Yes, we were a pharmacy; people knew where we were, but we're also now famous for being a lucky lotto shop as well. And um, that I think. Um, completely unrelated to pharmacy and training but definitely uh, relevant and retailing seems to be a bit of part of the legacy that's being left behind um, in Napier and um, really Sefton Sefton had a good system set up um, and uh, a good shop set up so I didn't need to change a huge amount um, when I took over which was part of the decision. Let's talk about 22 years of pharmacy Yes, for, yes. for Andrew Spence. Yep. You told me off air that the fundamentals of mm-hmm. pharmacy have not yes. changed in your time of mm. owning your own pharmacy. What do you yes. mean by fundamentals? We're still doing what the public um, look to us for, which is dispensing their prescriptions. Um, we may be using different medications, new ones that have come on, um, but we're still 
um, dispensing them, dispensing their prescriptions, um, answering queries about their medication, for example, storage, do I take it with food, um, and looking after people who have got uh, ailments that they just want checked out um, and a bit of direction as to how to help them, whether they need to go and see a doctor or whether there's a product available across the counter that can help them. Those fundamental bases and the business management behind it with the staffing and that haven't changed. They're still there. They're still there, yes. We, every now and then, we as consumers become aware that the drug that we had be, perhaps been taken for mm-hmm. some period of time yes. is all of a sudden not available for one pharmac reason or another, yeah, true. Yes. and they substitute it with another. How does that affect your relationship with your clients? Well, that's a, a, that is a useful point for for interacting with the, our clients. Because to explain to them that, hey, this is the the medication that uh, they used to get. It's now um, been changed. It's the same medication in it. It's a different brand that's being provided, and this is the one that's being subsidised by the government at the time. Um, and uh, that interaction we do many, many times just to reassure people that they're getting the same, they're getting the same stuff. It just looks a little bit different. Services from the District Health Board. Yes. The relationship between a pharmacy and a District Health Board is important as yes. well, isn't it? That's right. Very, very What important. do you do for them? Uh, there's the core dispensing, which is the um, putting prescriptions. Uh, I like to use the term pills and bottles. Um, but also there's been extended services uh, these in recent years um, with more clinical focus. For example, we've been able to do uh, flu vaccinations, very relevant to this time um, as the COVID vaccinations as well. Uh, we've able to do uh, uh, screening testing for examples such as warfarin and um, making sure people's um, levels are correct and they're not getting under or overdosed on those particular medications. There's also um, other more specific targeted um, contracted type activities that are are useful for, for example, morning after pills and those types of um, medications which are being slowly but surely rolled out and adding to the level of services that pharmacy can provide its community. Where do you think the future lies for our local pharmacist? Are we still going to have a local pharmacist, generally times several all over the place? Uh, yeah, well, ac- access to these services is very important, particularly because when our po- a population is ageing, and needs more support um, from someone who knows them personally, um, a pharmacy that they can get to without having to drive 10 minutes across town, um, and uh, also a pharmacist who's consistent as well, so not just a, a roster of, of people putting in, in shifts and everything like that. Um, so I think the relationship with the the pharmacist is important and I think that uh, we will continue to see your friendly local pharmacy continue for quite some time yet in a a, a service to the community Um, and it's, um, yeah, you can continue to, definitely continue to see them. 
being a, a pharmacist has been a good career for you. Yes. Do we have some new pharmacists coming on board? Do you provide internships for people? We have considered doing internships. Um, we uh, have normally try and accommodate them. We haven't had an intern for a little while now. Um, the output of the pharmacy schools has dropped away, particularly over COVID. Um, and um, we would like to see and encourage some of our youth, some of our people going through secondary schools to consider pharmacy as, as a career. So there's um, a bit of a challenge for our listeners. Definitely, definitely. It's a worthwhile career. It's satisfying. It's, uh, it's community-based. You're helping people. And um, it has not seen me wrong in 35 years and enjoyed every minute of it. On behalf of the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society thank you Andrew Spence for being my guest on Hawke's Bay Scientist on Air. As a follow up to this interview today please Google the University of Otago School of Pharmacy. The byline being become the medicines expert most trusted by patients and healthcare professionals. The website is informative and easy to follow. Similarly hit Google Google to find out about the monthly lecture program offered by the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society and how we fit into the work of the Royal Society of New Zealand. Please join me every Monday morning at 9.30 to meet another recently retired or practising scientist from around the Bay. I'm Lynn Trafford. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers. Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.